Bugle, audio newspaper for a visual world. Hello, Buglers. I am Andy Zaltzman, and welcome to issue 4287 of the Bugle, audio guide dog barking into the void to try desperately to ward off the unquenchable postman of reality. It is the 15th of January, 2024, as we record, a day that will have already gone down in history by the time you unrecord, sorry, listen, listen to this pod blast, and once again, we are looking at a world that is not quite living up to its potential for, let me just check the official numbers, the one millionth week in a row. Um, and I think that basically <laughs> coincides with the start of the beginning of human civilization as we know it. I'm sure that's purely coincidence. Uh, joining me today to shut the eyes and drink the teas, I'm more than delighted, beyond ecstatic, borderline delirious, to welcome, firstly, from up the road in South London, Nish Kumar. <laughs> Hello, Andy. Hello, Buglers. Uh, Happy New Year. How's, uh, how's 2024 treating you so far? It's going pretty well. It's going pretty well, unless you think about anything. Yeah, that's the, see, maybe that's we've learned that now we're in the, the fifth year of the decade. That just <laughs> ignorance is not bliss, but ignorance is tolerability. And I think uh, as long as you uh, as long as you've managed to work out a way to mute the words news uh, <laughs> on all of your devices, uh, it's uh, it's it's absolutely it's peachy. Uh, also from up the road in South London, then up the railway line, then along the underground, then into the airport, then onto an aeroplane, then an eight-hour flight, then a shuttle through, then a shuffle through immigration controls and a taxi ride through San Francisco. It's NATO Green. Hello, Andy. Hello, Nish. Hello, Buglers. Uh, how are you? Hello, NATO. NATO. You know, I've been thinking about the challenge of being a uh, political comic during times of great horror and how difficult it is to write jokes about horror, and it got me wondering what it would have been like if the bugle had been a going concern during world war ii <laughs> uh, would andy have done a pun run of concentration camp names oh. yes i think so would nish kumar have called Goebbels a c- <laughs> yes i think he would have <laughs> would would tiff stevenson had things to say about hitler's fashion sense yes obviously <laughs> It, I'll tell you, there would have been some uh, pretty impressive background audio, given where Andy and I live, <laughs> in direct relation to some of the bombing campaigns. It, we'd have had to do some bugles from an air raid shelter, for sure. <laughs> well, I mean, that sounds like some a premium bonus subscriber content that we need to record at some point. <laughs> If New we, spin-off series. Yeah. Also, if we all want to have our careers simultaneously cancelled, that might be the most efficient way of doing it. So, um, yeah, so. Uh, we are uh, recording on the fifteenth of January. Tomorrow, the sixteenth of January, is the two thousand and fiftieth anniversary of uh, Gaius Julius Caesar Octavianus being granted the title Augustus by the Senate in Rome, thus kicking off the Roman Empire. Yep, that's. 2050 years ago, this second, the paperwork was signed to launch the all-new continent-conquering mega-franchise. And news reaching us as we speak that um, uh, Roman history from uh, this moment in 27 BC up to and including the death of uh, Emperor and Stoicism superstar Marcus Aurelius in 180 AD has just been bought by the Saudi Arabian Public Investment Fund, meaning that, amongst other things, the works of celebrity poet Ovid, the pioneering MMA arena, the Colosseum, and the Roman conquest of Britain have all been reattributed as achievements of the House of Saud. Um, a few uh, que- extra questionable slayings for dissenting voices to add to their catalogue too, so uh, so that's always nice. Uh, on the 17th of January in 1920, so 104 years ago, alcohol prohibition began 
in the United States. Um, how's that going? NATO, 104 years on, is it? Uh, is it? Is it? Uh, is it looking? I mean, you did show us your booze cabinet just before yeah, we started I, recording. I was just—I was just, just going to say we should probably flag for buglers that just before we started the official record, Nato showed us what he described as his midlife crisis, and it was a—it was Dean Martin's liver just spilled out onto some very, very fashionable-looking shelving. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, look, don't you need six or seven different kinds of Amaro around the house? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I did I did come back from a holiday in Spain about 18 months ago with 12 different vermouths, so I'm not really in a, <laughs> not really in a position to, to judge, criticise, but only to admire, Nato. Noel Coward didn't have 12 different kinds of vermouth. <laughs> As always, our section of this uh, podcast is going straight uh, in the bin this week. Well, it's been the uh, annual Consumer Electronics Show, uh, which we touch on every year, uh, every January, uh, the world meets. We we reported last week on the Smart B-Day, which was uh, exhibited at the uh, CES this year. Uh, It's an annual festival that mixes human ingenuity with human tendency to use that ingenuity to make f***ing ridiculous things that no one needs, which, which is not a modern thing. It's always been the way. Well done, oof. That's amazing, but I didn't actually need a picture of a bison on the wall of a cave that you have to crawl 50 metres to get to because I already have 34 other pictures of f***ing bison there, you f***ing idiot. It's always been the way. It's just the way humans exist. So we look at some of the other um, exciting products uh, displayed at the CES 2024. Um, you might have read about AI pillows. Um, but that's yeah, AI AI pillow. Who I, I think played for Derbyshire in the nineteen thirties. Um, you can now get a, an intelligent smart pillow, smart cat flaps, which I assume stop stops the wrong cat getting in, which is good news if you live in an area with a lion infestation. Uh, also, we review some of the the um, products you might not have seen: the Solitudo Hermit helmet which is a special helmet that keeps you blocked off from all reality and news, just as Nish was calling for this product has uh, come... Uh, well, it's not quite on the market, it's just the first prototype. It's just a cardboard box at the moment, but it works uh, works pretty well. Uh, also, the Robotic Auto Queen. Uh, this is very exciting. Could sell huge in Britain, still uh, coming to terms with the loss of our beloved monarch 18 months ago. So you can choose from the VT1, the EZ1, or the EZ2 models. That's Victoria, Elizabeth I, or Elizabeth II for your robotic auto queen, or LTF, that's uh, Latifa, uh, for the um, inter- international uh, audience. And uh, it provides all your queenic needs in the queen- queenless aftermath of the Queen's Queendom, which sadly ended in the month of uh, Elizabeth, Elizabeth, as it's now called, 2022. Uh, we review the Invisibath, the world's first invisible bath. Um, I'm not sure what the purpose is, but it's nice to have the option of taking a bath without having to look at an empty bath whenever you're not using your bath. Uh, smart stilts, they rise up and down <laughs> to the height required for you to peep over whatever wall or fence you're trying to peep over. The uh, Sculptutech Michelangelive Insta-David, which links up with your internet browsing history to work out your favourite celeb, family member, sports star or even politician. And every morning sculpts a life-size naked figure for you to enjoy in a purely artistic manner. Of course, you simply <laughs> fill the Michelangelive uh, with powdered marble Set the timer and wake up to your own personal David with uh, optional added speedos if you don't particularly enjoy the look of plums before breakfast. Um, we've got the... Uh, and also, <laughs> we, we review the uh, Speedy Lunch Smart Sandwich, 
Uh, this is a very exciting uh, development in food tech. Uh, the smart sandwich is filled with all manner of digestible and biodegradable food tech wizardry. It links up wirelessly without wires to your smartphone, so you can follow how much of your sandwich you've eaten already, how much you still have left to eat, both as a percentage and a PNMR rating, that's potential number of mouthfuls remaining, uh, based on a scanning of your mouth size and data from previous sandwich eatings, plus the estimated time required for you to finish your sandwich and how much work you could get done per mouthful by eating the sandwich at your desk using uh, the optional accessory of, a, of an automated um, sandwich eating arm uh, plus an ETCD your estimated time of completed digestion so you can schedule in your UBBs unavoidable bathroom breaks <laughs> for the exact moment you will um, need to well, take your bath in the bathroom as America's, Americans would say the uh, speedy lunch smart sandwich uh, also provides you with suggestions for bread type filling spread garnish and angle of cutting to maximise the nutritional value of your sandwich while minimising the time lost from your working day and provide you with a 10 year sandwich planner with up to 3,653 different sandwich options to ensure that you never repeat eat the same sandwich twice in a decade as repetitious lunching has been shown to decrease office productivity by up to 0.042% at just $79 per sandwich plus $99 for at-desk drone delivery or a bargain $40,000 for a year supply the... uh, (laughs) A speedy lunch smart sandwich represents an affordable way for you to lunch smart in today's competitive marketplace. Exciting times to be eating. Uh, that section in the bin. Uh, listen, ever since we mentioned uh, the subject of Nao's extensive alcohol collection, <laughs> I've thought of something that even as I say it, I know is going to come back to bite me in the ass because whenever I engage the listenership directly of this show, it tends to end with my Wikipedia page being locked and only <laughs> able to be edited by moderators. I'm just putting it out there. Bugle cocktail menu. <laughs> what are your bugle cocktail ideas? At the moment, all I've got is a martini and a Zoltz Manhattan, but I, I'm sure... <laughs> I'm sure people will be able to come up with some uh, really, uh, probably, I imagine, quite disgusting uh, cocktail ideas. Right. Well, this sounds like we we are throwing this open to our listeners. Do email us in. As I say, I do so with full knowledge that it's going to come back and blow up in my face. (laughs) (laughs) I did once throw things open to the Bugle listenership, and it's ended up with, I would say, once a year, somebody asking me about when I'm planning to pitch Nude with Nish to a television commissioner. But I'm throwing it. I'm throwing it open to the bugle listeners. The, the thing with nude with Nish is I can't remember how long ago that was first suggested. It must be what five or six years ago that uh, nude with Nish was first suggested. I yeah, think, it must be surely. I mean, at that point, it would have been maybe top ten, twenty percent most ridiculous shows on the TV. <laughs> now, yeah. I'm not sure it's even in the top half anymore. <laughs> Anyway, send in your ideas. Uh, Chris, what's the current email address? Andy, it is yeah. hellobuglers at thebuglepodcast.com. So do, uh, do, actually, there's something I think we should get, we should try and get a little bit more. Don't forget, if you are a premium level voluntary subscriber, you can email us in with questions for Ask Andy, um, the monthly subscriber only show in which I answer all your questions. But uh, do uh, send in your suggested bugle cocktails and any, any other correspondence to that email address. The Nate Old Fashioned. There we go. <laughs> what what makes an old fashioned more depressed and Semitic than it was already? <laughs> <laughs> I, 
<laughs> I think it's going to be very hard for me to not quickly describe you as going, NATO Green, ah, oh, the depressed semantic. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was your wrestling name, wasn't it? <laughs> Top story this week. Uh, World War Three might be breaking out uh, again. I mean, this is this is a you know basically the state that we're currently in uh, as a planet that World War Three might or might have already broken out. Um, I tell you what, I was thinking last Thursday, uh, Nish NATO. I was yeah. thinking we're over ten days into the year, and whilst Ukraine and Gaza are still ticking along in full boom, there hasn't yet been an outbreak of armed conflict involving major global powers that has the potential to escalate into something terrifyingly bigger. So can't complain about the year I've been receiving as a consumer so far. Then, on Friday, uh, it appears that Britain and America started bombing the Middle East, albeit a specific part of the Middle East, uh, 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 targeting the Houthi rebels uh, in Yemen. Nish, um, I know, uh, I assume in all the TV shows you've done, your various travel shows and things, you must have done a bit of a stint with the Houthis. Um, like playing, I don't know, playing squash with Houthi rebels or whatever. De- de- definitely not, Andy. If they should have done a stint with the Houthis, they would have been cancelled already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is the thing. The US and the UK has learned nothing. You, you, you don't get rid of these groups by bombing them. You get rid of them by commissioning me to do a television program. <laughs> I've taken down whole networks, not even just individual programs. You, are you telling me that if you if you didn't commission Nish Hangs with the Houthis, the entire situation in Yemen would be resolved within six months? Six months? Yeah, that's, oh, that's one of your longer longer runs. Right? <laughs> um. <laughs> it's it, yeah, it's truly bad stuff. I think the uh, news that the US and the UK are conducting bombing campaigns in the Middle East is so familiar to me that I think it caused my virginity to return. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's immediately put me back to two thousand and two. Um, the the background to this uh, is that. Uh, well, the background to this is a big placard that says, oh, shit, everything's been fucked for a hell of a long time. <laughs> but the, the more specific background to this is the Houthis are a, a group that emerged in the 90s and rose to prominence uh, in 2014 after they rebelled against uh, Yemen's government. And there's been a civil war in Yemen that's been conducted uh, with the Houthis, who have a kind of Iranian backing, uh, and the uh, military coalition led uh, by Saudi Arabia. And there is no sentence or situation that begins, middles or ends well if if it involves the phrase military coalition led by Saudi Arabia. That is (laughs) just an absolute recipe for disaster. Uh, The Houthis uh, are also known as Ansar Allah, uh, which translates as supporters of God. Which is immediately a red flag. <laughs> Any group with God in its name or we love God are going to turn out to be uh, definitely at best a spicy band of people. Um, and it is difficult to observe uh, lots of the kind of religious conflicts as they happen. You know, the, the, the 
Yemeni civil war has a, a Sunni Shia element uh, to it. The Sunnis being the Saudi Arabians, the Shias being the Houthis. Uh, obviously, what's happening in Gaza has a huge religious component to it between Jews and Muslims. And it can feel surprising, particularly for someone like me, who largely exists in a world of lapsed religious people. You know, I come from a long traditional line of lapsed Hindus. I'm currently doing a podcast with two of the most lapsed Jews in human history. <laughs> I, I, I even know lapsed atheists. I know lapsed atheists. These are people who, to be clear, don't believe in God. They just really hate the stand-up comedy of Ricky Gervais and find <laughs> his tone around atheism so unbearable that they're beginning to will there to be an afterlife so that he can be consigned to hell. <laughs> Uh, but yes, now the US and the UK have decided uh, it didn't work the first time, so we're just going to do it again. It's it it really is it absolutely really is the Superman film of ideas. We just <laughs> it, it worked at one point, but it hasn't worked for a hell of a long time, <laughs> and yet we still keep doing it. So what sort of kicked off the, the current uh, current flare up uh, was a number of attacks on shipping in uh, the Red Sea. Since November, the Houthis have attacked more than 20 merchant vessels in uh, the Red Sea using missiles, drones, uh, helicopters and and boats. The attacks have caused considerable chaos in the global trade because the Red Sea is one of the world's favourite shipping routes ever since the Suez giant water slide fell down in 1869 and was repurposed in its new flat state as a canal. And the Red Sea (laughs) is particularly crucial because these days... NATO, it requires a ship to go up and down it rather than just a Moses with a special stick to magic a special <laughs> members-only crossing route. So it, you can see why it's so strategically important. The Houthis have said their attacks are in response to the Gaza, Gaza situation, which, uh, let me just check whether it's been sorted out. I'll just check the webpage. Nope, still, I'm also, I had that so web page hasn't been updated for 4,000 years. I'll just refresh it. Still no. Uh, <laughs> so it's a bit of a mess. In November, the Houthis seized the Galaxy Leader, which is not quite as exciting or sci-fi as it sounds, sadly. The Galaxy Leader being a ship, a 21-year-old ship of Polish origin, Japanese-owned, Bahamas-registered, classic 21st-century child of the world. And they've been using it as a tourist attraction... <laughs> There's still 25 hostages on board, which is not exactly a dream day out as a kid, is it? Uh, would you like to go to the playground? No. Uh, how about roller skating? No. Would you like to go to the petting zoo? No. Uh, well, you suggest where you want to go for the day out, darling. I'd like to go to a hijacked cargo ship with 25 <laughs> hostages on, please, Mum. I'll tell you what, the Houthis really need to take more of a leaf out of the British government's book. Uh, because what they're doing at the moment is they've stolen something and they're allowing pe- and they're allowing people from their country to come and view it. What they should be doing <laughs> is stealing something and then allowing people from the country it was stolen from to have a look at it. That's basically the entire purpose and existence of the British Museum. Hey, people from other countries, come and look at your own shit in our country. <laughs> Politically, it's caused sort of an uproar in the United States because... Uh, I mean, you know, B- Biden did just did it. He just, you know, started bombing Yemen. Uh, the, the thing, the thing that I, re- that in reading up on it, that I realized that they're, the, the, Houth- the, what they keep being described as the Houthi rebels, but they control the capital. Yeah. And normally if you control the capital, you're the government. <laughs> um, so I don't know why they keep calling them rebels, but anyway, the Biden just did it and people are like, you bypassed Congress. Uh, and Biden's response was sort of like, 
what do you mean I can't just bomb the Middle East? <laughs> this is what what we do. Yeah. Uh, so, and the the what Biden's policy in the Middle East is like it's sort of a masterstroke of like simultaneously being complicit in mass death in Gaza and starting a potentially escalating war with global powers and causing himself to lose an election in the United States in 2024 <laughs> by alienating key constituencies uh, and bring in uh, Trump 2.0. It's difficult to like overstate how breathtakingly bad political <laughs> calculation this is for the Biden administration because I guess he thinks it's just the 80s and it doesn't matter. It's like, <laughs> and the, he like definitely didn't learn anything from 9-11. It reminds me that it, the container ships are no joke. Like container ships, I was at the beginning of the Iraq war, there was a protest uh, at the port of Oakland. Uh, like the, at the first day of the Iraq war, we blocked streets in San Francisco and they arrested us and it was a nice day. And then a month in, there was a ship going from the port of Oakland to deliver weapons to Iraq. And we went to, uh, protest the ship and the Oakland police opened fire on us. Um, and, uh, and it's a good reminder that if you start with global commerce, they will destroy you. (laughs) Um, if you want to do a hunger strike or wave a flag or, you know, uh, put orange powder on a snooker table or glue yourself to a painting, have at it. But, uh, once you start mucking about with container ships, then it's on like Donkey Kong. <laughs> well, I mean, this just shows that you know how important these supply lines are. And until we get a global network of special vacuum tunnels drilled through the Earth's core to transport goods from anywhere to anywhere else, this kind of thing is going to be problematic. So, really, you know, we've had that technology. I think for at least I don't know, let's say five thousand years, we could easily have done it. Um, the Yemeni civil war that you mentioned uh, won the much uh, coveted award of world's worst humanitarian crisis from the UN in March of last year. It's a 10-year conflict that has left over 20 million people in need of humanitarian uh, assistance. But there has been some hope for a deep storming of the situation um, with various negotiations in in progress and a, a tentative, fragile peace deal between the Houthis and Saudi Arabia, although that could be thrown into jeopardy if the Houthis take over Sunderland Football Club, bitter local <laughs> rivals of the Saudi-owned Newcastle United. So... um. Uh, we'll just keep you up to date uh, with that. For those of you unfamiliar, them a, qu- a few quick Houthi facts in our Houthi fact box. The Houthi are based in western Yemen and are made up of an estimated 20,000 individual Houthises who align themselves politically with Iran. The kingdom of Houthitania was long thought to be fictitious, but in the 1980s it was discovered by explorers searching for evidence that Indiana Jones was real. The <laughs> Houthi rebels take their name from Jean Ferry Rebel and his son Francois Rebel, the 18th century French composers. And finally, how many Houthi rebels does it take to change a light bulb? One. Uh, same as with most other people. And those are your <laughs> Houthi facts. I, I really feel, NATO, that you're not giving Joe Biden enough credit here because he did win an election on the basis that he was going to unite a fractured and divided uh, nation. And he has united them in that everyone thinks this is a bad idea. (laughs) He has managed to be criticised for this bombing campaign by Ayanna Presley and Matt Gaetz. Those are two people who are not just politically polarised. They're barely the same species. <laughs> Ayanna Presley is a human being, and Matt Gates, I believe, is some sort of sewer-dwelling reptile. 
Yeah, he 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 definitely. I mean, he did he did unite the the left and the right <laughs> also in supporting the the is, Israeli military because yeah, yeah, like yeah. like if you look at if you look at Congress, the right wing position in Congress uh, and the Senate is that they just support the massacre in Gaza because they don't believe the Palestinians exist. Yeah. And the liberals in Congress support the massacre in Gaza in a sort of like, it's tragic that Israel has no choice but to massacre 20,000 civilians in the name of self-defense. It's too bad that Hamas keeps making them do that. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's, it's nice to see uh, the liberals uh, line up in support of the famous uh, international liberal Benjamin Netanyahu. <laughs> <laughs> a man whose only crime is crime, lest we forget. <laughs> um, I mean, and lest we forget, I, I've said it before and I'll say it again, went to high school in Philadelphia. Uh, and <laughs> if you're looking for someone to be both racist and belligerent, a Philadelphia <laughs> high school student <laughs> is going to be your top choice. <laughs> well, uh, someone else has been weighing into the uh, the issue with words of wisdom, and that is um, the uh, British Defence Secretary, Grant Shapps, and... There's been many collections of words on the bugle over the last 16 and a half years that shouldn't have existed, and Defence Secretary Grant Shapps has to be right up there, but he is Defence Secretary amidst the current um, political chaos uh, that the Conservative Party have enveloped themselves and the nation with. But he said Britain should prepare for further wars involving China, Russia, North Korea and Iran um, erupting in the next five years. He said, we've come full circle, moving from a post-war to a pre-war world. Well, for a start, that's half a circle. Um, and not, <laughs> not a very semicircular half a circle either. It's more like a squig- squiggly line that looks like a drunkard has tried to paint an extended middle finger on a moving bus. But anyway, the, right, you can sort of understand what he's, he's, he's trying to say. We're, 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 he carried on said, an age of idealism is being replaced by a period of hard-headed realism. So... This age of idealism, I'm sorry if you missed it, I think it lasted for about 48 seconds during the fireworks (laughs) displays on Millennium Night. And hard-headed realism, (laughs) um, I mean, that's not really been massively prominent in certainly Grant Chapter's Conservative Party (laughs) over the past 13 years that they've been been in power. Mop-headed quittery, that's generally been their MO for as long as anyone can remember, but... um, I'm not sure hard-headed realism is what you think of when you think of uh, Grant Shapps. And uh, we should remember, uh, this is, we have to take it with a bit of a pitch of shot. This is, as I said, Grant Shapps talking, a politician best known for being inexplicably in office and also for pretending to be people that he isn't. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> strange times, strange times. The one sort of, one of the key positives uh, for Rishi Sunak, and I'm using key there, uh, incorrectly, I meant to say one of the only positives for <laughs> Rishi Sunak at the moment, um, who uh, this morning has received some polling data that when you plot it out in a graph spells out, go f*** yourselves. <laughs> um, one of the few positives for him is that he has had a bit of an opportunity to sort of, you know, look like a bit of an internationalist and actually repair his reputation with the White House. The relations with the White House and Downing Street have been uh, pretty sort of... Um, afraid uh, of late um but grant shapps even managed to <laughs> this in no way positive for anyone other than one specific guy in britain situation uh because um <laughs> when he was asked 
before the attack on the Houthis happened, whether it was going to happen, he used this phrase, watch this space. (laughs) Watch this space. (laughs) That is not an answer to a question if the question is, are you going to bomb people in the Middle East? That's the answer to the question, when is your mixtape dropping? (laughs) (laughs) Moving on now to Britain news and exciting times here in the UK. We no longer need a legal system at all because it turns out that TV drama does the job far more efficiently. A national scandal dating back 25 years, which has been sort of in and out of the public eye to various degrees over that time, has been jabbed forcefully into the public eye socket um, by a hit TV drama series, Mr Bates versus the Post Office, examining how hundreds of um, postmasters working for the Post Office faced prison, financial ruin, career devastation, public abuse... Uh, all because of a dicky computer programme allied to massive institutional failings in the post office. Um, now, Nisha, I mean, this has been... It's not its not sort of right to say that it's been completely ignored over this, because a lot of people have done some, some great work trying to pu- sort of push it forward, but it did take this hit TV drama on ITV for people to properly give a shit about it and for politicians to start you know, talking about it as a mainstream issue and one of the the great miscarriages of justice in our country's impressive history of miscarrying justice yeah it's faulty computer software it resulted in basically it made it look like the people running the post offices were stealing money when in fact that they weren't and it had huge and significant real world consequences 230 around 230 post office workers were imprisoned on false charges of theft and fraud Thousands of others were in, uh, were implicated. It's been the scandal has been directly linked to I think four suicides as well. It, it's it has been a, a horrific and completely it seems sort of uh, unnecessary uh, miscarriage of justice uh, and that's just the result of as you say Andy a faulty computer system and then massive institutional failure. And there's been so much journalism about this. Uh, people have written books. People have made podcast series, but. Here's the thing. Toby Jones is a very good actor. And it turns out that was all we needed the entire time was just whack Toby Jones in a drama. And I, I, I'm going on stand up tour later this year. I'm thinking of having myself played by Toby Jones just to guarantee that people give a shit about the goddamn show. I might just wheel him out at the end to heighten the emotional significance of everything that I'm saying. It, yeah, so the, the, it was a dramatisation uh, of uh, one of the cases. The, the, the real man is a guy called Alan Bates who sort of spearheaded the legal battle uh, against uh, the post office and the false accusations around 3,500 people. And it, it's what it has done is it's meant that there are actually going to be consequences for this thing. Um, I mean, so far, the only consequences have been the former post office chief executive, uh, Paula Vanells, uh, who, to return her CBE. Um, so uh, arguably, <laughs> we would like more consequences than acronyms being removed from people's names. <laughs> and I, I, I sort of feel like my concern here is that she goes... Listen, I've given back my CBE, so I think we can all agree 
Nil nil. <laughs> yeah, case closed. Let's just draw case a line. <laughs> draw a line underneath it. Um, I what, mean, is, what is CBE? Oh, so that is a citizen of the British Empire, um, which is uh, one of the honours that were now the British honour system is one of the many, many arcane anachronisticismical anachronisms uh, with which we like to delude ourselves that we're still the greatest known nation in the entire universe and they sort of vary you, you, you put empire in the name <laughs> yeah. yes exactly so the, the empire you, you, I mean just to bring you up to speed doesn't entirely exist anymore uh, but but <laughs> but for, for whatever reason I'm not judging not saying it's right or wrong that it ended it just you know some things you know there's a time to end everything um, but we still keep it in the the, the name of the honours that are given out by the government, OBEs, CBEs, MBEs. I mean, is it, you may ask, time for us to, to let to let go? But I would say to the rest of the world, just let us in Britain work through our post-Empire National Irrelevance Syndrome issues at our own pace because our PENIS is huge and we can't stop thinking about it. Um, <laughs> I would like to invite the audience of the Bugle to write in with suggestions of what the E for Empire should be replaced with <laughs> in future honors bestowed by the crowd. I mean, I think in many ways what Paul Vanels has done is completely inappropriate. Like, because I think there could not be any more apt situation for someone to have an an honour that has the word empire <laughs> in it if what you've presided over is systemic cruelty, institutional incompetence and the exploitation of poor people. <laughs> that is the British empire through and through. And if we're going to keep empire in, let's start rewarding people for appropriately empire reminiscent crimes like if you if you get uh, you know in trouble at work for destroying official documentation that proves malfeasance you should immediately get an order of the british <laughs> empire that's what this damn thing was about Ikmar ben gavia should definitely be in line for some sort of honor from the british empire <laughs> well what i mean what is one of the most baffling things about it there are um i think something like 1150 post offices in the uk and you'd think if you ended up prosecuting hundreds and hundreds, even thousands of people who ran them or worked in them, you might think this does seem like an awful lot more prosecutions <laughs> than we usually do. Should we just make doubly sure there isn't some common factor that's causing it to look like all these people are stealing all this money? It is absolutely baffling. And it showed how much we just blindly rely on technology and also the power of institutions that a lot of people were basically coerced into pleading guilty in order to avoid more severe punishments people were paying back the money they were accused of stealing out of their own pockets just to make um the, the these threats of uh, of prosecution go away it is a dark dark stain on this country's uh, recent history the um computer company responsible for the faulty software was fujitsu the software was caused Horizon. That's um, caused these decades of suffering and injustice. However, um, times have moved on. The computer company, which has followed Fujitsu and now provides the successor software to the original Horizon, is called Fujitsu. And that new improved software is called <laughs> Horizon. Uh, so that's just the way we do things in this country. Um, so the government has now said it will overturn all the convictions of the sub-postmasters affected, which sets a dangerous legal precedent of the government getting involved in the legal process. Um, it comes at a risk of some wrongful exonerations, which probably doesn't... It might be just a rare case of two wrongs making 
a bit of a belated uh, right. Ideally, this would be settled through proper legal channels, but the government is obviously fully aware that it's been running the legal system for the last 13 and a half years, <laughs> and it is f***ing clogged up with years' worth of unheard and delayed cases. Maybe someone could invent a computer system that comes up with speedy verdicts <laughs> on who is or isn't guilty. American news now, and, well, there was only... USA! USA! There was only one (laughs) Bugle co-host that we could really have got to talk about this uh, this story. I mean, any story that involves the phrase secret underground tunnel is bound to get our full attention as a species. It's probably just some (laughs) evolutionary relic of um, how we all come into the world. But when this phrase, (laughs) secret underground tunnel, also the story also includes phrases such as illegal excavation work brawl between police and Hasidic Jewish worshippers, <laughs> alleged messiah, synagogue versus cement truck, and just fill the f***ing thing back up, back up with concrete, mate. Then this is one of the great news stories of all time. NATO, you are our um, Jewish people digging tunnels under synagogues correspondent. <laughs> um, this, uh, I mean, this is, this is absolutely sensational, isn't it? It's, it's quite incredible, Andy. Um, so, I mean, obviously, there's been a lot of talk and hullabaloo about Hamas having tunnels under Gaza and like it's some big thing. <laughs> but watch out. Here comes Chabad. <laughs> um, uh, last week, there was a brawl between Hasidic Jews in Chabad and New York police. Uh, a, a secret underground tunnel had been discovered. The police wanted to close it because it, it was illegal and unpermitted. And so the Jews went to fight them. Uh, now I should say, if you haven't spent time in Brooklyn, uh, and don't know about the Lubavitcher Hasids, uh, it's so Jewish there that when I go, I am not Jewish. Um, <laughs> like there, um, and so it's the home, it's, it's Chabad world headquarters and and there there's like a there's a synagogue and there's some other buildings and some people had burrowed sixty feet of tunnels underneath uh, underneath the buildings. The police came uh, and they and so and a gr- group of young men were blockading the tunnels to prevent them from being sealed. And they uh, fought the police. And once again, as is so often the case when police are confronted by Jewish protesters, the police did not fear for their lives. Um, <laughs> the uh, Chabad was once led by Rabbi Menachem Schneerson, who died in 1994, the so-called Lubavitcher Rebbe. Uh, and some of the young men in Chabad believe both that he is the Messiah and still alive at the same time. Neat trick if you're the Messiah. Because <laughs> um, the Messiah is supposed to go away and come back. Not, you know what I mean? Like, the, um, like is he... Which is it, guys? Is he ju- is he going to go away and come back at the end times, or is he just like chilling in Brooklyn eating at a halal cart? Um, <laughs> if he is the Messiah, so, I mean, just from an artistic point of view, he was he was quite an old man, wasn't he, when when he allegedly died? And you know, Jesus <laughs> was a hot young dude, and I mean, it's going to be a challenge for artists to make that look quite as exciting as Rip Jesus with an absolutely sensational six pack, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Bugle listeners, if anyone wants to send some nice oil portraiture of 
uh, of a of a loincloth wearing <laughs> Rabbi Menachem Schneerson. <laughs> <laughs> Please email it to nishkumar at the bugle. <laughs> uh, so the uh but so they they the his his devotees were the the young men uh it was mo- it was all the men who were arrested were between 19 and 22 and they were all uh they were a part of a breakaway group or a division within the Chabad movement that believed that Menachem Schneerson wanted them to expand uh which i under i get that that part makes sense to me but specifically wanted them to understand expand by burrowing underground <laughs> where they already were, which is the part where they lose me. <laughs> um, like, if the Messiah wants you to expand, you're, and your answer is, let's build a wine cellar. <laughs> like, it's just, it's like, <laughs> let's build a wine cellar in a f- dungeon and call it a day. Like, it's a weird form of messianic expansion. Um, so, I think it's, it's an interpretation of the, of what the Messiah wanted that was both literal and wrong. Um, so, uh, so, but, and then their tunnels, they built 60, they dug 60 feet of tunnels that threatened the structural integrity of the buildings above them. Uh, which just goes to show that these Hasidic Jews, they're no Hamas. Uh, (laughs) if they wanted some good tunnels, they needed to get Hamas in there. They make some (laughs) tunnels. Um, and if you're wondering, yes, there is a whole series of videos on TikTok of how Hamas builds tunnels. Um, so, but I don't know what it, what's these, this, like, it's such a weird thing of like religions, religions in their tunnels, man. Hamas, tunnels, Chassids, tunnels, Druids, tunnels, 12th century Finchale monks near Durham, England, tunnels. Uh, if you're a religious fanatic, you're like, I want to do one thing is commune with the Lord and also burrow underground. <laughs> Uh, I want to get closer to the Lord and earthworms at the same time. It's like a very weird manifestation of faith. Why are they all trying to dig closer to hell? Yeah, right. <laughs> it's just how hard it is to get a building permit in New York. Um, <laughs> the, attorney, so, the, the attorney for um, five of the men who, who were arrested said that his clients may have suffered from a little naivety. Um, but I had no intention of harming the building structure. I mean, does that count as naivety, digging a tunnel under a building without thinking what happens if this ruins the building above it? I, th- I think that's a little more than naivety, is it? I, I have I, to it, say, if you if you don't realise that digging a tunnel up directly underneath a building might affect its structure, that goes beyond naivety. That is like me getting 16% on a geography exam in year seven at school and saying, listen... In the end, I was quite naive to think I could guess what ordnance survey symbols meant. <laughs> the, the, it, it's like these, they, they live to study the, the text. They love, they study the Torah. That's their, they, they have a deep connection to, to our classic text. And as a Jew, I have to say the texts are perfect. The Torah, the Talmud are perfect and inspired by God, but, Dodgy on the details of what constitutes an effective load bearing wall. <laughs> um, obviously, this is a hugely entertaining uh, story. Also, obviously, because it's a hugely entertaining story that involves Jewish people, it's provoked a deluge of anti Semitic comments. Because, well, it's the 21st century, the internet exists, and humans have a statistical tendency to act like. Uh, so. <laughs> There we are. It's, it's, it's a story in many ways that s- sums up where we are as a species. 
we can't even enjoy a funny story about some weird people digging tunnels without people being anti-Semitic. <laughs> we don't deserve funny stories about tunnels <laughs> as a species. Uh, just quickly before we go, NATO, the uh, well, the 2024 presidential election begins in earnest in the next few days with the Iowa primary. Um, can you give us a, a little like, dose of optimism to... Um, to, to 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 start the year that's going to be a no fam all right okay. uh, <laughs> <laughs> always with the no for me <laughs> just time to plug the bugle live tour in march um across the uk details on the internet uh, specifically at the buglepodcast.com do help keep this show free, flourishing and independent by joining the Bugle Voluntary Subscription Scheme. To give a one-off or a recurring contribution, go to thebuglepodcast.com and click the Donate button. Also, as Chris told me to do last week, I'm going to tell you to follow the show, which apparently is uh, Youth Talk for Subscribe. Nish, anything to plug? Yes, uh, I actually have a... You can buy my stand-up special uh, from my website, um, nishkumar.co.uk. Um, it should be of some... It, I guess it will be of some interest to Bugler specifically because it's a stand-up show largely dealing in the aftermath of the Lord's Taverner's bread roll incident, <laughs> which was actually covered for the first time on the Bugle. I think the Bugle... I think after it happened, it happened... It was in the news, and then we did the bugle, I think, a couple of days later, and Andy attended the recording dressed fully in his Lord's Taverners cricket uniform. <laughs> yeah, uh, I feel a little guilty uh, about that now, to be honest. After he did, <laughs> after he did, this, after he did the same gig in, in what actually turned out to be something of an incident-free performance. <laughs> uh, sadly, uh, I did not uh, have such an incident-free uh, performance. And uh, the show is called Your Power, Your Control, and it's available from nishkumar.co.uk. And uh, it deals in the uh, specifics of that incident and the kind of aftermath. And uh, the subsequent meeting I had with the police to discuss death threats. And, uh, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of fun, uh, some fun stuff in there. So, yes, if you're a Bugle fan that remembers that incident, um, or, or if you're the Bugle fan who uh, turned up to uh, one of the performances I did of the show and threw a bread roll at me <laughs> before, I would say, quickly coming to regret that decision... <laughs> Uh, it would, uh, yeah, I'd suggest uh, buying it. And also the great thing is that it's £9.99, which, thanks to the actions of the Conservative government in the last decade, is worth a lot less in other currencies than it once was. Uh, you can hear Nish's uh, performance uh, in said episode of The Bugle in, in Top Stories later this week. Oh, yeah, well, that's right. When Nish does his bloody voiceover. Yeah, this, the, the unspoken issue at the heart of a lot of this plugging is I need to get back to uh, Andy about dates for the live shows and I need to record the intro for Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I would, and amazingly, I would say that this is one of the most competent plugs we've ever done on The Bugle. Yeah, pretty good. I think I might I might write a stand-up show about how well my Lord's Taverners Christmas lunch <laughs> Tremendous charity. Um, <laughs> uh, Nato, what have you got to plug? Uh, well, as usual, Mr. Nino Green on Instagram, a couple albums out, um, January 27th and 28th, I'm doing some political shows for SF Sketchfest. 27th is a stand-up show and 28th is, uh, is the live podcast of the Bituation Room, some political chat. Uh, at February 3rd, I'll be in Portland, Oregon at the Siren Theater 
And then February 10th, 17th, and 24th, I'm doing a run of shows at the Berkeley Rep Theater uh, with W. Kamau Bell getting the band back together. Uh, that's that, it. This is the best plugs we've ever done. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody knew all of the things that they needed to know. Yep. Everyone had the websites. We didn't also, when people say that the plugs are bad, I'm like, Chris edits them. Yeah. Like, <laughs> as bad as they sound, he's cut out. Uh, various episodes I've done of this, people going, "Oh, hang on, let me just—I just need to quickly Google myself." Just to, <laughs> so you think the plugs are bad, but you're listening to an edited version of them. <laughs> As they say, Nish, you can't polish a turd. <laughs> <laughs> but you can—you can get it to prep where what its website you are at. Yes. Uh, right, that's it. Uh, thank you for listening, Beaglers. Thanks, as always, to Nish and NATO. Thanks to Chris for putting it all together. We will be back next week with Ria Lena and Josh Gondelman. Until then, goodbye. Hi, it's producer Chris from The Bugle here. Did you know that I have a new series of my podcast, Richie Firth Travel Hacker, out now? It's the show where Richie Firth and I talk about how to make travel better in our very special way. In this series, we discuss line bikes, Teslas, the London Overground, and a whole bunch of other random stuff that possibly involves wheels or tracks or engines of some variety. God, what a hot sell this is. I mean, you, you, you must be so excited. Listen now.